This is Nancy Norton, and you're listening to Traumedy, the podcast that helps you transmute your trauma with comedy. Transmute. (laughs) Engage, transmute. Transmute. For me, the most healing thing I can do is accept that it happened, grieve, fully grieve the loss I experienced from that trauma, and then laugh at it as best I can, or at least around it. Transmute. Okay, so here we are. I am recording this December 18th, 2023. We're heading right into the shortest day of the year, the longest night, the solstice. I know these are hard times, especially if you have generational trauma that comes up a lot around the gravy. And our mission statement on Traumedy is to help heal ourselves and others. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being there for me. I want to thank all of my guests that have helped me in this healing journey because I've noticed that this podcast is taking on a little bit of a life of its own, as projects do. As I have grown in my spiritual awakening, I have been accessing a lot of spiritual resources, which may be irritating to some listeners if you are absolutely not into the spiritual realm. However, my guest this week, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We have an amazingly intelligent, educated psychiatrist who is trauma-informed, but also into looking at the, the physics of spirituality. We don't know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We don't have the tools right now to measure some of these things. Just like not that long ago, we couldn't perceive the ultraviolet spectrum. Now, have you seen those videos where they show birds and what they look like to other birds on the ultraviolet spectrum? Do you know crows have like polka dots? I mean, we don't. We didn't know that. We'd never know. If I told you crows had polka dots, you'd go, you're crazy. But you watch those videos, y'all. Watch those videos that show the ultraviolet spectrum. And there's so there's a whole spectrum of frequencies that we are not necessarily able to measure, but some of us, or maybe all of us, are able to pick up on them, but we we deny it or we're not open to it. That's all. Okay. Please message me. Reach out. What do you need? How can I help you? We are co-healers. It's peer-to-peer sharing. We're doing our best to share with each other. Here's how I got through some stuff. How did you get through some stuff? And we're going to have more experts in season two. But that doesn't mean um, anyone is more of an expert about your recovery than you are. So here we go. Enjoy episode 35. I'm so proud of myself. We have had 35 episodes every Tuesday. That is, how many months is that? Almost nine months. If We've had a beautiful gestation. I wanted to see if I could actually do it because I have ADHD and I've never followed through with anything like this. And I'm doing it. (laughs) thanks to the help of my ADHD medication and a higher power, higher power, and just clarity that this is what I want to do. This is my new calling, so I just want to do it. We have so many great guests coming up in 2024. I have been talking to some amazing comedians who are willing to share the trauma stories behind some of their comedy, so we're going to have a lot more experts. We're going to have more comedians that you know and love, And, and of course, we may have you as a guest, so please reach out to me. If you think you have something to share, you've been through a journey and you resonate with what we are doing here and you want to be a part of it. We're going to come back in 2024, bigger, better, and brighter. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Welcome to Traumedy. My guest is Adira Ray. 
Oh. How does that feel? Adira Ray. It feels fabulous. And we're using your pen name, your, and I want to say your spirit name, because I feel like it's your, like your creative name. And you're, you're, you are a board certified psychiatrist who has worked under a different name for many, many years. How, how, how long have you been a psychiatrist? Oh, I often tell my patients that I should have already retired many years ago. <laughs> but in, in, in honest truth, some people work much longer than myself. Um, I've been a board-certified psychiatrist for 25 years now. I can't believe it. Yeah. Wow, 25 years. Yeah. That's a body of work, a body of experience. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of data points Right there. A lot of teaching from the people who I've worked with. They have been my teachers, yes. And so we're going to access a lot of that knowledge, experience, and skill today. And we are also going to stay integrated with Adira Ray. I love that. It has a nice rhythm to it. Do you want to say how that name came to you? You know, my daughter was in medical school and I started texting with her. I'm like, I need to come up with a pen name. And she helped me. She helped me create. And I wanted a name that was resonant. And it also had deep meaning. And effectively, my interpretation of Adira Ray is somebody who wanders and finds. Somebody who wanders and finds. Yeah. Beautiful. Almost like a consciousness hunter-gatherer. Precisely. <laughs> you nailed it, Nancy. This well, is why you and I will be new best friends. <laughs> I love that you are pursuing truth and and wisdom, you know. And well, I think wisdom is not a pursuit. Wisdom is something, I don't know, I make stuff up as I go along here being in this a seeker pursuing truth and then the wisdom is what you get you're spot on um i think wisdom is a, a result of profound challenging experiences wow can i ask you something do it i'm i'm raising my hand for some reason <laughs> i will see i've had this new thing i've been saying to my higher power our higher power the higher power whatever higher power may i please learn from delight now Oh. You know, like I learned <laughs> a lot <luck>. from. <laughs> I, I gotta laugh. I feel like the universe is laughing with you. I okay, okay. So this is humbling. I'm gonna say it. I still want to say it. I would like. To, I. What if we can we voluntarily mm. expand our consciousness without suffering? I. I think I can move out of a place of complacency if I have this strong desire. I feel like I have learned so much from suffering and I have a lot of gratitude for it. Yeah. Thank you for the gifts. As one, as my spiritual mentor has a line, she calls it beautiful gift in the ugly box. Yeah. She has learned so much from horrible experiences. Is, uh, is that, that resonates? The, okay. Yeah. Okay. So do you believe that is the best way to learn? <laughs> I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. I certainly no. don't wish it upon myself. And yet at the same time, I would say that it's the most powerful way to learn. Okay. One needs to go through, unfortunately, challenging experiences and then turn around and try to make something beautiful out of it. And that's where the joy comes from. And that's what we're talking about with traumedy. That's what traumedy is. And uh, I feel like psychedelics is a potential avenue or um, method, path for being able to achieve that at a rate that's a little bit maybe faster, harder, yeah, challenging in its own way. But it's the goal would be the ultimate outcome. Yeah. I'm so excited that you have worked in, 
I don't know. Should I call it traditional medicine? I mean, do you, it. Call you, it bread and butter psychiatry. Oh, okay. For 25 years. And it has not aligned with me at all. Um, you know, I was raised Hindu, practiced Sikhism for a period, and then converted to Buddhism. And now I'm predominantly spiritual. And throughout that, I really had the intention of infusing within my career, my spiritual foundation. And it's been outright rejected by the field because spirituality and psychiatry, they just really don't connect during my career until the advent of psychedelics. And I was like, oh, oh I found my home. Here we go. Here we you go. found your home. And again, I'm, I'm going to jump subjects here and there. Dude. I saw a TED talk not too long ago about schizophrenia and spiritual spirituality. And I need to probably find that TED talk again. But I made me think about things a lot differently about what people really are having access to that gets called a problem that could be channeled into a gift. Uh, it's an, I'm 100% on board with you. And I would love to see that uh, TED talk if you would send it to me. I, yeah. I think right now um, we're kind of burgeoning on a shift and a change of the way that allopathic medicine thinks about consciousness, humanity, and our interaction with what I call nonlinear others. Oh, I want to be with that. Nonlinear others. Yeah, that sense of there being something outside of yourself that you cannot see that interacts with you in an energetic, perhaps even depending upon how you see it, spiritual way. And how individuals who have, quote, diagnoses may be experiencing that kind of interaction differently than the linear way in which we live on this plane. Yes. And in different cultures, they treat people differently. For example, the Inuit talk about people with misaligned eyes as the visionaries. Maybe my vision therapist was just telling me that to help me feel like you got a silver lining. <laughs> look at look at my eyes go out like, okay, into infinity. <laughs> there is no, <laughs> you know, they don't go to one point, they go to like two places. You but are your own unique you. <laughs> Yeah. But what about other types of, yeah, all kinds of types of neurodivergence, the ADHD and the, all kinds of, like you said, people picking up on nonlinear stuff that haven't learned how to manage it. Manage it. Yeah, I guess that's yes. the word. Yes. Yes. And are we just suppressing it with medication? To a degree, yeah. And sometimes it's indicated. Uh, I would suggest that's an individual decision though, right? And are we introducing that individual decision? We also, I think, within allopathic medicine, have a responsibility to society to be able to, quote, keep it safe. And a lot of the pathways that we use in medicine are suppressive in order to be able to maintain society or community safety in the name of what the people would want. Stephen Gillespie, who actually runs the Dose comedy show, which is a psychedelic comedy show, was on a couple of weeks ago and played a bit, which is they put him on ADHD medication because they're like, something's wrong with your son. <laughs> he doesn't want to sit at his desk for eight hours a day. He, you know, you're seven. <laughs> who wants to sit at a desk for eight hours a day? Who wants to but, sit at a desk for but, eight hours a day when you're an adult, too? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So allopathic medicine is the term for traditional Western, how, how do you describe allopathic? If you're a medical doc doctor, have an MD 
that would be it. It would be the kind of medicine that focuses on different parts of your body. And so that's why there are so many subspecialties within allopathic medicine. And that's where you're, you're a psychiatrist and, and an MD. You've been through all of this training and then running like a lot of mental health clinics, yeah, overseeing for sure n- numerous mental health clinics. You were supervising and we don't have to say where or what, but like, yeah. right? Is that correct? Yeah, is that what I read? director and the, some of the areas of focus have been on eating disorders and then severe and persistent mental illness, which is schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, bipolar disorder. Again, all the boxes that the diagnostic statistical manual will put people in. And uh, now psychedelics. Here we go. So let's get into it. Psychedelics. So I met you at a comedy show in Longmont. (laughs) Who would guess? In Longmont, Colorado, y'all. It was called Moms Unhinged, a show that is a lot for moms. It says so much in a title, Moms Unhinged, because we have to hold it together as moms all the time. I mean, it's expected of us to be like the rock of the family. We have to take a lot of abuse from not just our kids, but often our spouses and society in this patriarchy. I'm not going to get hostile, but I'm just saying we take a lot of shit. And then, (laughs) you know, and we smile and we make snacks for the sports days. And we we be perfect. Oh, yes. (laughs) I never, I never even got close to thinking I was perfect. (laughs) But, but we do, we try so hard to not damage. That's not my motto. My son, I have not given him all the advantages. I never did my homework as a kid. I also had ADHD. He has ADHD. I didn't teach him the skills because I didn't have them. So I wasn't the best role model. My, my motto, following Shakti Gawain, who is one of my spiritual teachers living in the light, her thing was just house them, feed them, get out of the way, try not to dampen their spirit. That was my motto. Is like, can I just not dampen? this beautiful light that came into my life. I love that. I, on the other hand, as a psychiatrist, told my three children, just uh, save up for psychotherapy in the future as an adult. (laughs) You can blame all you want, but you know, you're just going to need to get a therapist one day. (laughs) That's so good. That's so good. But that shows a lot of self-awareness and you you know that you laugh at yourself. Okay. We were talking in the kitchen. I often reference the talk in the kitchen. We were talking earlier and oh, you brought such nice cookies. We're having tea. Just so grateful. And I, I just me too. And I so just grateful. I just found out you're gonna, you know, you live not too far from me and that you're gonna open are we allowed to say what's gonna happen? For sure. Where I'm working right now is gonna be opening up a clinic in um Lafayette area ish. Lafayette, Colorado for those twenty twenty four. So twenty twenty four. And so we're gonna be really close. And you're specializing in psychedelic, psychedelic assisted therapy specifically. Yes. It has been so transformative in my life. I did years of EMDR, years of brain spotting, which were very helpful. Don't get me wrong, but it was literally decades of trying to understand what is it that I can't seem to get to. And I couldn't get to the last layer because it just was incompatible. I did not want to see my mother this way. I did not want to see me this way. And I mean, I ha- in my experience with psychedelics, I had multiple near-death experiences as an infant. <sighs> I sort of get it. Like, I have to take a deep breath when I say that. I used to feel like I was going to die if I don't feel heard. That's probably why I have a podcast and I'm a stand-up comedian. I love a microphone and I just need to feel heard, you know? And it just gave well, me... I love listening. <laughs> Thank you. It gave me so much peace. Like, it, it, you would think at first it was awful, awful to see. Like, I want to talk about your psychedelic journey. 
And bef- before we do that, we, when did we start with psychedelics? In the 50s with Timothy Leary, well, 60s? I mean, the psychedelics go back thousands of years. It's oh. indigenous, of course, right? And oh. it, it did start to surface a little bit more in um, the 1950s and 60s where a lot of research started. It wasn't necessarily well uh, controlled, not placebo-controlled uh, studies in the way that we do now. Uh, I think the standards are a little more rigid in order to ensure that the outcomes are accurate. But it had the potential for a transformation of the human being. And it all got shut down with the war on drugs. Oh, yeah. And there was that one ad. It was all about uh, your brain on drugs. And it had oh. that, that pan with the fried sack. Egg. The sizzling oil This is your and brain. Butter, and then they would put crack an egg in it and say, this is your brain. And then after they crack the egg, this is your brain on drugs. And it was really scary as a kid, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, is that what drugs are going to do to me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they lump everything under dr- like psychedelic m- medicine. I want to call it medicine, but I don't know if that's the right term. It is. It's not all psychedelics are natural or, or plant medicine, but many of them are. And regardless, all of them do have psychedelic qualities in some capacity. And they've been suppressed until recently. And thanks to the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Science, otherwise known as MAPS, that has brought these medicines back to the forefront. Thank you, MAPS. Thank you, MAPS. Thank you for these people who cared enough to say, we have got to make a difference. We have got to bring these to the forefront of healing. And this week is actually a pivotal week because they submitted to the FDA the application for MDMA for treatment of treatment-resistant PTSD. And as somebody who has a history of PTSD, also from early childhood trauma, I am so riveted by there being another modality for helping people come out of this without having to go through, crawl through all of the mud and molasses that I did in order to be able to treat myself. Yeah, mud and molasses. And so much shame and self-doubt if you're like me. I don't know. Yeah, I think it comes to the territory of having a history of trauma, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I... You know, yeah, just recently, right in the last year, I think after doing psychedelic therapy, recognized that, yeah, definitely have complex PTSD. Sometimes these diagnoses are really helpful because it helps me be a little more compassionate with myself and also explain to significant others like, okay, here's something that you don't need to take personally, but that you may experience as a result of some of my stuff that's still working its way out, you know, every now and then. It's a lifelong process. I think it's Mm -hmm. like grieving and mourning. It just, it doesn't go away. Yeah. You know, and at the same time, the way I think about it is that I had the experience of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. It no longer is ruling my life. I'm in an authentic space right now and I feel very calm personally and internally. I've I've recreated, recrafted my internal environment. Oh, I love this. So much about what I've learned about psychedelics is the integration. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a big part of my therapy that I've done, you know, because I do, you know, I do the the one hour or maybe it's sometimes a little more talking about what 
what's up for me? And then, but then the medicine takes me where it takes me. And that's a six hour session I have sat with my therapist. For sure. And then the integration, then a couple of integration sessions after that. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's that. talk about it. Because um, I think if we were to do like uh, some recommendations when considering psychedelics for healing, it's not going to cure everything. Yeah. yeah they are not a panacea. Okay. Definitely. And I think that's one thing that we need to remember going into this. It's not going to cure everything. It takes work every day. I'm still integrating it. I mean, I'm still working with... Integration goes on for years. It could go on for your lifetime. Yeah, I would say that makes sense. Yeah. Don't expect to go, oh, I'm going to go do one psychedelic thing and, and I'll be all better. I think people forget that it took your entire lifetime to get where you are. Yeah. Right? And if you believe in lifetimes, then it took lifetimes and, you know, layers of intergenerational trauma in order to be able to get to this place of suffering that you feel like you would even consider psychedelics. It, it cannot be a one and done. It's and in, I think another crucial component about that, you started to talk about the psychedelic assisted therapy. The psychedelic assisted therapy requires stages and the initial component is going to be the preparatory session where you are prepared for whatever medicine that you will be taking. That's followed by the medicine session itself where the therapist is present when you ingest the medicine, however it's taken. And then there's integration. Mm. And that integration is the crucial component for the healing. It's not possible for us to be able to just take a psychedelic and for a person to be able to heal and Big Pharma is going to try to uh, create a scenario that's very different than that, right? And they already are. They're pushing that it's just the medicine. Psychedelic-assisted therapy is not necessary, and that's just false advertising. Right. Big Pharma. Woo. That's... Gotta love it. <laughs> yeah. Capitalism at its best. Oh, it really is capitalism at its best, isn't oh, yeah. it? And it's worse. It's like the two sides of that coin. Uh-huh. And I, and, and I don't want to vilify completely... Uh, pharmaceuticals because here I am with Hashimoto's. I would not be able to survive without levothyroxine at this point. I'm actually trying to heal my thyroid by doing trauma work about not being able to speak my truth as a child. I, nice. So many conditions are an outcropping of trauma that has not been resolved. And I, I mean, I can't think it's a coincidence that so many people in my family have Hashimoto's and that was a number one rule in dysfunctional families, according to my recovery work, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. And so the whole don't talk rule, how does that resonate for you? 100% resonates with me. And the whole idea that, as Ben Malcolm would say, that these are uh, not just psychedelics, they're psychosomatodelics, that they actually address the, the way in which trauma impacts our body, how it physically changes our body. Think about epigenetics, right? Yes. Like they say, like there are two sides of the coin epigenetics, right? Yeah. Turning these genes on and off. And when you turn on genes that perhaps you have a genetic vulnerability to in your lineage, um, it, it really behooves us and it's our responsibility to be able to turn them off again. And they can be, but it's, it's an emerging process of how to do that. 
And it's not something that really is discussed in allopathic medicine, or is there a pathway to be able to do that? It's what we used to call complementary and alternative medicines right now, right? Yeah. Or in my view now, interventional psychiatry, where you're working on the vibrational continuum in order to be able to heal oneself. Wow. You impressed me so much the way you could articulate such a complicated thing in such a succinct way. And I want to go back to what you the, you ended with. Oh my gosh, turning genes. First of all, there's just a lot right there. Turning genes on and off. Okay, so let's say whatever it is, autoimmune, you know, attacking sure. your own thyroid. It's the enemy for some reason in my body. <laughs> like, gotta eat that right now. So somehow there might be a way to turn that, turn that off. Anything else that comes to your mind as far as turning something on and off genetically? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, epigenetics itself is an entire field. Uh, it's not an area that I, I have a tremendous expertise in, but uh, I do link it to this whole pathway of healing. We experience in our lives whatever we do. It just is what it is. I don't have an explanation for that, you know, but it does result in sometimes some spiritual crises. And these spiritual crises are a convergence of our life experience that may be very profoundly negative and the way in which our body holds it and continues to repeat that trauma over and over again. And at some point we need to take ownership for our responsibility to be able to release that. And the way to be able to do that is potentially through psychedelics, but again, to come full circle, it's not a panacea. It's not the only thing. There are fundamental ways in which we need to change our lives and the way that we think about ourselves. Mm. Just so much here. It's going to be so hard. It's like, just like I'm going ping, ping, ping. I <laughs> am so excited. Uh, I know I read The Biology Belief, yeah, several years ago. Bruce Lipton is a gen, you know geneticist, I guess you'd say so much about is what we believe. I do trust what comes to me during my psychedelics. Now, I have done MDMA and also uh, psilocybin. But I just remember this one point where I'm like, wait, beliefs can be transmitted on our DNA. And there's so many of that like junk DNA that's like, what is that? And that's where I feel like, I don't know if that's that intergenerational belief. Yeah, uh, for sure. An instinct. I mean, yes. What was instinct for survival then? This is where I've thought about wisdom. Like wisdom is a dynamic thing. The behavior that was wise maybe a thousand years ago that helped us survive or even in our childhood <laughs> is not wise today. Hmm. But that's that weird like nuanced wisdom. I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but I hope oh, that makes I, sense. I think it does make sense to me. And I think that ideas can be transmitted on a lot of different modalities than we are aware of or have been actively utilized. I mean, there's even in uh, cyber warfare, not to get too fringe. Uh, <laughs> I love it. They do talk about the way in which vibration and different kinds of frequencies can carry messages that can make you ill or not. And I mean, I, do, I don't love it that we that <laughs> they have that. Me neither. I mean, I had some friends that protested uh, gosh, nuclear, nuclear silos and stuff. And some friends of mine, some old, you know, old hippies in Boulder that camped out at Greenham Air Force Base in England. And they said that, you know, they were shot with microwaves and stuff. Who knows? Right. And 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to become a conspiracy no, theorist. And yet at the same time for that kind of a concept that actually does exist right now to be able to come out of the shadows and for us to be able to have that conversation in the context of healing. Yes. Actually. Let's flip the script. A yeah. Little let's bit. flip it a little bit. Okay. And yeah, to- no, I'm not saying we need to right now. We can go dark. It's okay. <laughs> but I'm just saying but- in our lives, to be able to flip the script and be able to utilize these same modalities for goodness, for wellness, for healing, for uplifting ourselves. Absolutely. I am so here with you on this higher, like there's something about, and I call it higher frequency, who knows? I've been having dreams where I'm leading uh, groups as as a conductor and trying to like, and I've been doing this with comedy, just trying to raise the frequency in a room. And then let's talk on this level. Yes. And and people seem to enjoy it. I love that. I'm working on not forcing it like hey and i'll even say people hey if you don't want to do this like you can just say i'm xing out you know put a little armor in front of you but for those of us who want to play let's play you know and And there's not enough play right now there's not enough play about having conversations like this in the public realm right uh we we just suppress and for a lot of different reasons we oppress because these kinds of conversations are um they're challenging and they challenge our uh, sense of identity or what it is that we think is reality and reality is not what we think it is i agree yeah okay where did we go here and did did we need to circle back to anything that i left because there was a lot in that sentence that you said about first of all love the term psych psychosomatic psychosomatic de- how did you say it psychosomatic from dr malcolm he is actually a pharmacist who specializes in psychedelics and has a whole training program on that and i heard a podcast that he did and that's what he was talking about it and that should be renamed or at least considered in that capacity and i agree This is about us reconnecting with our bodies, learning how to love the body that has been traumatized or held energy, uh, intergenerational trauma in ways that were overwhelming to shut us down and rediscovering it and shifting and changing that energy, releasing whatever it is that we hold that doesn't serve us anymore and raising our vibrational frequency to a higher level. Yes. Yes. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to perhaps that podcast, if you can send it to me. I will. And I love that term and I love the whole concept. And it resonates with me because the more buoyancy I have that I got from doing psychedelics, feeling so resourced by all that is love. I'm just going to call it that because that's what I call it. (laughs) Higher power. All that is love. I can know that I can go to the deepest, darkest, scariest place and be resourced and bring like almost like a paintbrush dipping the light and bringing it. This is what I'm doing with this podcast is like transmuting that darkness because really darkness is like cold, right? It's just an absence of heat and and dark is just an absence of light. I don't believe personally, I don't believe in demons or dark spirits or anything. I just feel like it is a lack of light that somehow we have put on blinders and I don't know why, but I feel like it's some sort of soul agreement that we came here to like, let me go and experience identifying with a body that will die. And on some level, I know that this incarnation is finite and yet I'm identifying with this incarnation, this ego, and it's terrifying. But then once you have the resource of knowing there's a part of you that will not die, you can look at all kinds of stuff. 
that's my experience. Well, let's deepen that because I really believe that um, throughout my life, I didn't quite, the way I was raised as Hindu, I really didn't believe very much in dark spirits, right? Oh. But over time, I think with my practice and my spiritual growth, um, I've come to realize that they do exist. Really? Yeah, and they, they can attach to you. They can um, make a person more vulnerable to certain mood states and also to different types of um, substance use patterns if I will. It is possible to be able to recognize that and clear yourself of these things, but it's very challenging to get into that space. Um, and I, I do believe that raising your energy is a way to be able to recognize whether anything you hold anything like that within you. And it's also a way to be able to recognize that within a space. It's like, you know how when you look at something, you go into a restaurant, you go into someone's home, like, oh, it's so beautiful here. And there's nothing necessarily like overtly to the eye that's necessarily cool or different about it. It just feels right. It feels good. Right. And if we were to parallel that with being able to create that kind of safe environment within oneself, that's really what psychedelics can open up for you. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Your inner home. Your, your inner sanctu home. Your sanctuary within. A safe sanctuary Kind of smudge it. <laughs> kind of clear it. Clear it of obstacles, of mm. things that have been barriers for you living your best life, your most authentic life. Mm. Yes. This is my prayer is may we all know our authentic selves and live from that place. I do. I would love to debate you on this dark spirit thing, though, for a minute. Let's okay. Bring it. <laughs> all right. I don't feel like I'm going to win this debate because I don't have uh, any any cards in my debate stack over here. <laughs> but here's what. Okay. Just this. Hear me out here. I. So what did you call it? Did you say dark spirits? Did you say dark? Yeah, I'm not going to use dark energy. because <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that'll no, no, no. flip over into physics. Oh, but dark spirits. Do you, I think feel like you it's an, do you think it's an entity? Like, yes. do you feel like there are dark entities? Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Now, here's something that has come to me. I feel like because I am a highly creative person and I do believe the ego, which is my experience, and this is, I've, when I read about it now, I'm like, hey, I love when we read things and it just kind of reinforces what you know intuitively. So, because I, I used to, to tell me, oh, my ego is just a binary, like a very simple computer. It's just threat, no threat, threat, no threat. It's just zero, one, zero, one. You know, it's just like threat, no threat, threat, no threat, scanning constantly. And because if you're highly creative, well, and you watch shows that create a lot of spooky stuff, you can create, I believe that dark spirits are a projection of the ego, finding something to fight um and that that doesn't mean it doesn't become like if enough people believe in it or if you believe in anything strongly enough well then perception is reality i suppose i agree with you all right so, <laughs> so i think we create it yeah okay we create space for it we okay. manifest it we and i'm not when i say we i don't mean the individual who perhaps has entity possession 
I'm talking about, or, you know, we also call them nonlinear beings, nonlinear others. Okay. Possession, nonlinear right? others. I, I do believe that, that if you believe in something, if you fear it in that way, it, there's a way to be able to manifest it. And we do that as an unconscious collective, not on the individual basis, but as an unconscious collective because of our collective fear. Like a hologram, you put enough people focusing on it, it becomes, it becomes a thing. Yeah. It becomes a thing. And then we, and then, then the next thing you know, they're running for president. And I, I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you didn't say that. Okay. Nancy well, said that. Nancy <laughs> said that. Okay. Let me get away from, but hey, I do, but it, you know, everything, I, I agree with you as far as we create it. Hmm, what do I want to go back to there on that? Like, you know, we, we see the exorcist and these getting possessed by a spirit. I just don't, it just doesn't resonate with me. That I, I do love how Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body. And I do understand like, wow, I'm super comfortable. I came in utero. My mother was in a trauma response. Her mom died when I was two months in gestation in a sudden car accident that her father caused. So there's a lot of turmoil going on. And I do feel like there's an attachment that my psyche has to, ugh, <laughs> like just bad. I'm just thinking about attachments to identities that Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body wants to persist. I think that you nailed it. <laughs> And Eckhart Tolle, I thoroughly believe in the entire philosophy, and it gets complicated. I think I read the book about four times before I could get past chapter seven, you know, and understand it. And then finally, this is the power of now. The power I, of now. Oh my gosh, and that book I changed finally, my life. It did. It changed my life too. And I finally got it. When I got it, I was like, "This is truth." So yes, it is about the pain body, and it's the way in which our pain body interacts with our physical body and our ability to be able to awaken from that or get drawn and sucked down into it. Um, so we're talking about this idea of nonlinear others and negative energies, if you will, or bad spirits, however you want to think about it. They're all on the same continuum. They're all the same concept in my view. But it, it's the way in which we hold that ourselves and it becomes an influencer for us on our day-to-day decision-making, whether we come from a place of defensiveness and fear when we interact with ourselves in our internal environment or we project it out other outside externally to others mm. as them being bad, wrong, needing change, needing direction. Mm. So can we potentially with the support of psychedelics, be able to come into a space where we take ownership for ourselves. And that's the beginning. That's the end. Yes. It's like, it gave me so much compassion, even like in that trauma memory with my mama trauma of, like I said, I was her, I am, you know, it was just that whole the cycle, cycle, but also trusting my path. Like we wouldn't wish it on anyone, but we wouldn't trade it either. Because it gave us the insights and the, you know, wisdom that we talked about earlier. From... Let me sh let me share my story then. Yes, please do. My mother's sister, uh, who was someone who encouraged her to have a third child, I'm a third of three, um, died from a fallopian tube rupture two weeks before I was born. And my mom dropped into a deep depressive state. She was unable to push me out. She gave up. 
you know, forceps later and profound neglect during infancy that again, the medicine has showed me. Um, I have also developed profound compassion and also able to be able to release those aspects and physically within me that felt so neglected. Yeah. And abandoned. Yeah. From pre-verbal stages. Now I've been in decades of psychotherapy, processed this with my psychotherapist, and it still didn't get me to that lowest layer that you're talking about. Maybe it's the highest layer. But it <laughs> I is love something that. lowest when, and highest layer. It really is. I think and we're it's sandwiched both, right? in between. Yes, right? I, that's, that's the pain body. <sighs> We're just surrounded by it, 360, and it wraps around us like a, a, a glove that fits like skin, right? And we start to believe that this is the truth, this is our reality, this is our being. When it isn't, it really isn't, it's something that we can release. Yeah. We can let go. Yeah. We can learn to live more profoundly uh, and engage in the world differently, engage with our internal environment differently in a space of profound love. Profound love and forgiveness for me and grief. One of the things in my recovery work, and I do believe this uh, 12-step program I, I am in was divinely inspired, but one of the lines is uh, re expressing unexpressed grief and, and, and accepting you know, because I feel like so much energy is wasted on this shouldn't have happened. This should not have happened. I should not have been treated this way. And there's so much energy defending, like, and also because the uh, inference that we've made as babies that we're bad. If my, if I was a good baby, my mother would have been shining a, her face, smiling at me all the time. But if I it were a perfect world. Yes. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I and, do. And the baby takes on the identity that it's you can't make your mom wrong because she's your God. So you have to be bad. And so letting and go. And we internalize. And we internalize that. So for me, letting go of being a bad person, I mean, literally inside, I've got cotton mouth, so I'm, I must be like either my Vivance or <laughs> I get a little nervous. Yeah. Well, this is really heavy stuff to talk about. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that letting go of the identity of being a bad baby that I've the irony that I've spent my life trying to prove that I'm not a bad baby. You know, you know, people laugh at me. People like me when I'm on stage, whatever, you know, whatever it is that we've achieved to disprove that. Well, let's we can free that. that up now. Let's link that that whole idea of shoulds, shoulda, woulda, coulda, really trying to eliminate that from my vocabulary yeah. and these expectations of the world and the way in which the world needs to do things for us. When in fact, really, <sighs> the responsibility is to ourselves, right? Yeah. If we can learn to love ourselves, like you said, release, then we can learn to love humanity and nature. That's true connection. It's not about recycling, right? <laughs> this is about actually engaging with the world in ways that are deeply compassionate. Mm. Yeah. And then you don't have to overthink or even think that much about like you're you just know, like there's a knowing that comes. I don't have the answers how to transcend the systems that we have in place here, the plastic, the I mean, you talked about recycling, but you know, things just don't feel as good now when you open up something in a plastic bag. It just doesn't have the same vibe. And it's about energy, yeah. right? I know. Yeah. And it, 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 again, coming back to the whole idea that um, psychedelics are not a panacea. It 
it's not our responsibility to correct the world, right? Okay. It is, in my view, um, perhaps someone else uh, would, would think differently, and I respect that. In my view, it's about the way in which we be in the world. Mm. And that alone shifts energy, shifts vibrations, shifts our interactions with people, and raises the entire game so that these types of things that we feel perhaps are um, negative influences like okay, plastic or any other examples of that, we can do things differently. Now, th- the struggle right now is that psychedelics are not legal. We've got one, which is ketamine, and ketamine is not a true psychedelic. It's a dissociative. And yet at the same time, it has benefits, tremendous benefits for people who have, which I really don't care for the term, treatment-resistant depression. I think about it in terms of the treatments that we have not being sufficient for the individual. Mm -hmm. And there's a tendency in allopathic medicine for us to label people as the problem. You know, a great example of that is substance use and the stigmatization that we have in our society about substance use. It is what it is. And that's where the acceptance comes in. Yeah. That treatments up until now have not been sufficient. They've been wholly insufficient. And more and more data that's being crunched is pointing to the fact that previous data that showed perhaps, say, antidepressants were effective, they're not as effective as we like. And I have personal experience with antidepressants. I also have experience from treating people with antidepressants. And I agree with that. That, what do you agree with? That That antidepressant medications inherently are not as effective as we once thought them to be. Yeah. One of the first lines, and I'm not going to quote this right, for the Natural Medicine Act in Colorado, um, where the psychedelics have been decriminalized, is that behavioral health and psychiatry has failed us. And when I read that the first time, I, I, I took pause because, of course, I've dedicated myself as a psychiatrist to the healing of others. And it took a tremendous amount of humility and release for me to acknowledge that that's actually correct. That doesn't mean that psychiatry has failed society in its entirety, but the treatments that we had available to us in the past have not been sufficient. That's the way I would rephrase it. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And I really commend you as somebody who has spent so many decades in that feel and studying and to, I think when you said release your attachment to the fact that that is the way to go, I so admire anyone that is willing to grow and change at the expense of all these decades of school and loans and getting up and working so hard every single day to make the world a better place through what you learned in your Western trained program. Although I don't know, did you have other training other places because of your background? No, unfortunately not. I didn't. Uh, I wish I had in retrospect, uh, but that's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to psychedelics. I went to medical school, did residency, my departmental chief residency, launched into eating disorders. Then eventually uh, when that became too boutique-y and that didn't align with my values and moved over to severe and persistent mental illness, as I mentioned before. But Certain individuals who have certain conditions and family histories are not candidates for psychedelics. They are more in line with allopathic psychotropic medications and 
So I wasn't able to work with the community mental health centered populations in the way that I wanted to for psychedelics, which is why I moved over. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for moving over. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. It's like another career within a career. Yeah, I'm so excited for this next chapter for you. And not just the chapter of psychedelic therapy, but your individual artistic chapter of your authentic self, just shining bright, creating, writing, podcasting. You're going to start a podcast, you were telling me. I am in 2024. I don't have a name for it, but it has been birthed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It, the big the big wheel is a turning. It, it, and the wheels are turning And the name big. will come and yes. all the things will fall in place. Just like with Traumedy, it, it was something I intuited that this is for me to do. You know, that's the whole thing with all the complicated issues in the world from plastic to you know, you know car- carbon footprints. It's like, what is mine to do? Because otherwise, it's just crazy making. And ah, we live in a really, really tough world right now. And yet, I mean, pretty beautiful. It's at gorgeous the same at the time, same time. Coexisting with all this beauty. Like, look where we live. We can walk into the woods and be in this like high frequency of nature. And I have hawks visiting me a lot nowadays, just saying, yeah. hi, Nance. Like literally I'll get up to brush my teeth in the morning. I'll look just with my lazy eye out the window and a hawk will come by just to say I'm here, just affirming higher power for me. Oh, I get these different kinds of confirmations. You I don't know do, what- you absolutely do. And you're aware of those, which I think is a, a, a real talent. And it's also a skill, something that you've built and grown and it shows in your podcast it shows in your comedy shows and it it shows in your presence right now really you you are able to be able to connect with the world and your environment in ways that we would traditionally have maybe uh pathologized right we're going to come out of that now we're going to be in this grand awakening of acknowledging that these signals and these signs and what we feel, what we hear is uh, from nonlinear others is truth to us. It's our experience and there's nothing wrong, ill, bad about it. It is our experience and we can learn and grow from it. And that, 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 when I say it even out loud, Nancy, it sounds a little bit scary. I can imagine that, that it would sound a little bit scary, because for so long we have um, vilified having these kinds of um, dimensional experiences, but it's not like they didn't exist, right? Yeah. There was just this underground world of people who uh, had had those experiences and held it close to their vest. And that, yeah, a lot of people that have masked it for a long time mm-hmm. or, or for me, you know, yeah, just we're told like to yeah th- there's a lot of shame and doubt that was put there to me that it's i think from my experience it's just always been there and it's just removing the the shame and doubt of trusting it and and it is a that's why i have a spiritual mentor right now is just trying to kind of fine tune it cuz it does get muddy as it intersects with some of my egoic knowing you know like what you know what what do i want what do I want it to mean versus what does it mean? Sure. And our def- definition of self, mm. right? And I think that that really comes from our cultural background. So having some cultural humility and sensitivity to a person's background, I mean, 
my background might be very different than the next individual. So I'm open to these things because I've been hearing stories from the Bhagavad Gita my entire life. Um, you know, I feel like the Vedas, they run through me. Like it's part of my lineage. Yeah. And it's easier for me to be open to these things than perhaps someone where uh, it may have been been in a very negative context and vilified that no, these things are not real. They don't exist. The only thing that does exist is X. Yeah. You have to plot it on the X, Y axis. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Two dimensional, right? And mm -hmm. psychedelics open up another dimension. Mm -hmm. We do not need to think on the X, Y axis any longer because it's so limiting and it's so boring it's just <laughs> that's boring. the yeah i love this like that is such a fun way to look at it too like why why just be so bored on the page man when right let's up whole, the game yeah oh i'm so excited i but, but let's do it safely okay <laughs> yes well that's that and that's real i'm glad you're bringing that up the set and setting as they say a nice safe environment because i know when i went into some stuff it was so amazing just to have a hand to hold on to when I was going into that void of a near-death experience. I think it's essential. Okay. So let's talk about set and setting, the whole idea of set being our mindset, what it is that we do and where we are before we go into a psychedelic experience is crucial. You don't have to necessarily be in a fabulous mindset, but you have to have an awareness of that. Okay. That's the key. Right. And to be able to share that verbally. And that's what the preparatory sessions are all about. Uh, getting into the right mindset, creating expectations. But I love that imagery that you give of just kind of holding on while we move through dimensions, yeah. while the medicine takes us and we have journeys. And acknowledging that the idea of a, quote, bad trip, unquote, really isn't a thing. Uh, I think it's been um, one of the fears that people have for going into psychedelics. Whatever your experience is, it is your experience. You are the individual who has the inner wisdom that we can mm. rely upon. And the therapist in psychedelic-assisted therapy isn't somebody who is going to be directive. They have non-directive approach, which is very different. We rely on you to be able to have those insights and awarenesses of what your internal environment is, how it's changing, and how you want to release. So it's not going to be traditional psychotherapy. And they are present there during the medicine sessions when done safely in order to be able to be that link to this dimension, to this plane, and to your physical body so you can safely travel. Having an awareness, that is, about who it is that you're choosing to be your guide, what they call a trip sitter or a psychedelic assisted therapist, and making sure that they resonate with you in a positive way is crucial, 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 crucial. You must have that awareness. And then it's possible to be able to get into a safe setting. I recommend that there, it be ceremonial in some way. I 100% am down with harm reduction. And at the same time, I feel like we're talking about healing, being in a safe ceremonial setting is the best for being able to ground oneself and travel safely. I love that a ceremonial setting. And then perhaps 
a little ceremony of release at the end? Is that part of it or is that the entire concept when I say ceremonial setting is about clearing the energy and making sure we have set a, a good intention in order to be able to move forward and sticking with that intention, coming back to that, allowing a space, if you will, without getting into the details of what you'd physically need to do with the environment. That could be another podcast. Okay. It would yeah. be creating a, a space or an environment where you can travel and get the ancient wisdom that your lineage has, all those entities that want to protect you and guide you in the highest way. I actually want to do a session with you now. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, if, you know, if that's an option. There's so much here that usually I try to like go back and make sure the, um, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know the Hindu text. It's okay. You don't have and to know. So, <laughs> so referencing the, say it again. Bhagavad Gita. And by the way, I've not read it. I'm just saying that my father used to tell me stories from the Bhagavad Gita as a reference. Whenever I totally screwed up in my life, (laughs) he would pull some story about how this God and this God, they fought and this happened. And this is why I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Oh, my son went to India Nepal heritage camp and they learned some of these. I just remember they acted them out different, might be from this book Bhagavad Gita <laughs> I'm gonna I, keep saying I it. do please do and uh, it was because like do I need to put a link in the like to the book and the no, I don't know not necessarily but I just I, I don't know that people need to it, it was just an example for myself yeah right? because of because of your background because, and how you're yes. open-minded in different ways like Hindu belief in, in you know the reincarnation um, I know from I did past life regression on my 40th birthday it changed me forever and I definitely, I, I watch near death experiences almost every day on YouTube because I am just fascinated by the whole concept of going back and forth to the, uh, beyond the veil and back. And then yes, I love the reincarnation stories that I read. So I, I hear you saying that that laid the groundwork for you to be a little more open-minded to all different approaches. And you nailed it when you were talking about uh, the veil and that's the whole idea of what it is where we see as reality, as a collective humanity, there being a um, very thickness of a veil that runs between us and whatever else there is that exists in the universe, right? Yeah. And and that actually, uh, thank you for bringing that up, is a great way of explaining how cultural humility can come in and how we need to have cultural context that some people may not believe in that veil so uh, we can't make assumptions about that i'm simply giving my own view and that's based upon my own cultural background and introducing this as a new way of thinking because it's it's not (laughs) because it's existed for thousands of years we've kind of suppressed it and now we're opening it back up again that's part of the great awakening Wonderful. Let's end there with the great awakening that we are a part of. Everyone is. Yes. Oh, let's party. Let's party. Let's party at the great awakening. And let the medicine call you. You'll know when you're ready. Ah, I love that too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy. Adira Ray. This was so much fun. Will you please be a regular... I I would love to be. It would be my honor. 
until you get your own podcast and then, you know, you'll be too busy. But until then, um, until then, I know you're going to be back by popular demand. Well, this is this is just the beginning. We're we set a foundation for further conversations. Yeah. Let's get some feedback and let's see what people want to hear more about. We will just drop down the rabbit hole on those topics. Yeah, I know you can. I'm excited for that journey down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Thank you again. And oh, enjoy this beautiful frequency today. Thank you, Nancy. I want to thank my guest, Adira Ray. Adira Ray, that name sounds great. I love the meaning. One who wanders and finds. Beautiful. I look forward to more episodes with Adira Ray. We'll be following the progress and the opening of the Psychedelic Assisted Therapy Office here in Lafayette, Colorado. Any follow-up questions for any of my guests? I'm going to bring guests back next year. We're going to have kind of a, I'd like to have recurring guests because then you can see, oh, here's where I am this year and, and have a wonderful solstice. Enjoy the return of the light. And no matter what, keep laughing. We'll be back in 2024 with more Traumedy Tuesdays.